Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at Steve rwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our Wednesday evening service. Yeah, I know you're listening to a podcast. One of these days, we're going to be able to meet at the church and have our Wednesday evening services there, but we can't do that right now. And uh, so glad you're joining us today for our Wednesday evening service. And um, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians, if you remember, and uh, we're uh, in the 13th chapter, and we've been talking about love. But tonight, I want to read verse 11 from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to talk about children will be children. So listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say here. In this one verse, verse 11, I'm reading from the New International Version tonight. It says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away the ways of childhood behind me. Our Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be able to meet together in our homes to listen to the podcast that you've given us for the message tonight. And I pray that you'd help me that I might be able to say the things that are needed. And thank you for the opportunity that we have of being together in your house on Sundays. And I pray that you bless our services even this next Sunday. And bless our people as they're listening tonight. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember now, the overall message that we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a message of love. Love never fails is how this chapter starts out. So why are we talking about children tonight? Well, I want to give you a little background on some things that we've already looked at. Remember that we talked about how that the the things that uh, we had looked at before had been done away with. The uh, miraculous gifts, the gift of languages, and he talked about the gift of knowledge and and so on. And and, uh, he says these things are are not going to last. They're not always going to be here. And so he said when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. Well, he gives verse 11 to help us understand that it's our lives that need to grow up. And that the completed New Testament, the completed Bible that we have today, is able to help us grow up. I think I mentioned uh, last week that he told us in the book of Revelation, the last chapter, that there would be no more Revelation, there would be no more word from God that we had the completed scriptures as the book of Revelation was finished. 
And so we have the complete Bible. We have the complete information that God wanted to share with man that we might grow up into Him, that we might become mature, that we might be the individuals that He wants us to be. So with that background, and remembering again, this chapter is focused on the subject of love. Let us look at what he talks about here about children. And compare that maybe with things that we see in our day and time. Children are beautiful people, aren't they? Well, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes they're not. Remember when Jesus set the little child in the midst of them? His disciples were all around. They had been clamoring for honor. And he was teaching a lesson. There is a great difference between being childlike and being childish. So he's telling us that we need to grow up. When childish behavior dominates adults, the results are disastrous. Dr. John Morgan, a Northwestern University professor, wrote a book. And in this book, he said the home can become a horrible, harmful, and hateful place to live. It also devastates a church when people are not mature. But this is what he said. Most patients in mental hospitals are people whose bodies are mature, but whose emotions are infantile. Many people are trying to do an adult work with a child in child's emotions. A lot of people are childish. This is what Dr. Morgan says. Now, it's also devastating as we see this happening in our lives today where individuals are not mature, where individuals are childish. One of the worst places in the New Testament was the Corinth church. The Apostle Paul called them babies in chapter 3 and verse 1 that we studied much earlier. And he says here in chapter 13 to put away childish things. So let's look for just a moment at what are some of the characteristics that we see in some children? First of all, children cry easily, especially when they're younger, right? <clears throat> you don't have to teach a child to cry. They are born with that ability. In fact, that's one of the first things that happens to a child, isn't it? And then they become experts at it. Why do they cry? Well, they cry for themselves. They cry because they want their way. They cry for attention. They cry, you know, we can name different things, couldn't we? Look at our churches. They're filled with adult babies. Some people are constant chronic complainers. Nothing goes to please them. Crying is all right as long as the tears are the right kind of tears. The Apostle Paul cried. Jesus cried. All of us cry, don't we? We need to shed tears at times. There needs to be times when we cry. We need to 
mourn the loss of a loved one. And so there, there's a time to be happy and there's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn. That's what Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us, isn't it? And then children crave attention. They love center stage. Look at me. That's why they interrupt a conversation to get our attention and come and pull on our shirt sleeves or our pants leg. And then they throw tantrums. Maybe in a grocery store. You've seen that happen, haven't you? Now put that child in an adult frame and you have a good old-fashioned ugly, wouldn't you say? Now in the days of Jesus, the Pharisees were attention givers. Matthew chapter 6 tells us about that and other places. Many people break their backs in church today, not because they love the Lord, but because they love the limelight. I think Jesus was sometimes saying to us, take a back seat. If you want to be up front, I'll call you. Isn't that somewhat what he was saying in Matthew 23, verse 12? It says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then, a child has little gratitude. Whatever you do, it's not enough. Give them 10, they want 11. Appreciation doesn't come naturally to a child. It must be taught. A child must learn gratitude. And we have to teach that to them. Do you know any church members who have a lot of criticism, but very little gratitude for their church? Do you know any church neurotics? These are people who feel they should be visited. They need to be begged to be faithful to church. You can never do enough for them. They only visit occasionally. And it's not consistent. Their lives are never where God really wants them to be. They only concentrate on what's due them, not what's been done for them. God forbid that they ever think of doing something for others. Big old babies. They need to grow up, don't they? Spoiled brats. And we need to tell them to get alive, or the Bible needs to tell them. We need to show them what the Scriptures have to say here. Am I being too harsh? <laughs> okay, so I'm having a bad day. And then a child feels little responsibility. Children are guided by the words want. I have to have it. Not by what they ought to do. There's no sense of obligation for small children. Look at many church members today. They feel little responsibility for the church. They don't take the initiative. They don't just go and do. We have to beg and plead with them to get involved. And then a child is naturally selfish. All of childhood can be summed up in one word, selfish. It's the root cause for every sin. We all have the tendency to live in our own little world. We want what we want when we want it. 
You've heard that. Even some preachers work hard not because they love people or the Lord, but for personal success. They want to be recognized. Oh, the slimy pit of selfishness. Our text today is telling us to put the ways of childhood behind us and grow up. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul is telling us here? Now, what is our focus? What are, what are we looking at to achieve? What do we want to happen? Some of you have probably seen the Peanuts episode. It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Well, Linus is convinced that the Great uh, Pumpkin will appear on the night before Halloween. He convinces Sally to join him for an all-night vigil. But as you know, the great pumpkin didn't appear. And then in the show, Charlie Brown is trying to console his friend. Don't take it too hard, Linus. I've done a lot of stupid things in my life, too. Linus retorts, What do you mean, stupid? Just wait till next year, Charlie Brown. You'll see. Linus is convinced his patience would bring great rewards. For believers, during the Apostle Paul's time, love for the Lord, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, appearance on the earth, and the promise of the Lord's return was a great motivator to change their worldly behavior. This was not imagination or childish fantasy, the Lord had promised to return. And they knew that. And they believed that. Many of them had witnessed Him going into heaven. And remember the angels stood by and they said, this same Jesus is going to come again in like manner that you've seen Him go into heaven. And that had changed everything. The grace of God that offers salvation, Titus 2.11 tells us, is referring to Christ's appearance on the earth, His death and resurrection. And as these individuals had lived with Jesus and heard Him teach and followed His instructions, it had radically changed the lives of the apostles and the early teachers of the church. The incarnation of Christ instructs believers on how to live godly lives. We need to follow His example. We need to do like Jesus did. Living with a focus on Christ, His love, His second coming, will cause believers to adjust earthly priorities. Following Christ will be less focused on immediate rewards and more focused on eternal gain. We will be less consumed by worldly passions and temporary pleasures, Titus 2.12 instructs us. We will exhibit self-control and avoid that childish, childishness that the Apostle Paul was talking about here in this chapter. Temporal and eternal priorities are consistent in the Scriptures. What may seem important now becomes temporal in light of His return the promise that He's coming again, that it could be today. It could be any time. As one hymn writer wrote, only one life will soon be passed 
Only what's done for Christ will last. As believers, we're to be not only careful, obedient to Christ's commands, but also eager to do what's good, Titus 2.14 says. The word eager here suggests a high level of motivation, a willing attitude, not being childish. Believers should live mindful that the return of our Savior is imminent. He could appear at any moment, and we must be ready. Philippians 3.20 says we eagerly await a Savior. Each new year, many people set goals. We talked about some of these New Year's resolutions a, year, a few days ago, and, and uh, some of you have followed through with that. And we're trying to do some of the things that we know that God wants us to do as we have started this new year. Some people have lifelong dreams and aspirations. What are you waiting for? What motivates you every day? What earthly goals are often good? But our eternal mindset should be our primary motivator. Our moment-by-moment -moment choices should be shaped by eternity. Ask yourself, Will this count in light of eternity? The great message for today is that Jesus' return matters for our lives today. It inspires our love, joy, obedience, hope, and our testimony before others. It keeps us free from being childish. Our Father, we thank you today for the privilege of reading your word and understanding some things that you're trying to teach us that we might be mature that we might be useful in your cause and kingdom. And Father, I pray that your blessings would be upon each one that's listening to this message tonight. And we're asking it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. Matthew 25, 1-13 gives us that familiar story about the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were, were, were foolish. And then it says, at the midnight hour, when they didn't expect it, are we ready? Isn't that a good message? I'll tell you what, I know last night we had a blackout here, and it's around eight o'clock, and no one expected, oh, they knew it was coming, but they wouldn't know when because it's done before. So don't worry about it. It went out. And it was out for about six hours. But that was a midnight hour for us on electricity. One day there'll be a midnight hour, as we know, when we all stand before the Lord. And my friend Jerry Hagee wrote this book on the last page. He says this, Then stand and stand you will before Jesus. While you stand at the great white throne judgment, how will you answer when he looks into your eyes and asks, Who did you say that I am? And that's the title of his book also. Then Jesus will declare, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
ye that work iniquity. And that reminds me of a time when I was in Stone Mountain, Georgia. And I was speaking, and this was several years ago, and I had spoken all week long, and on this Sunday morning, when most of the people were there, I decided to give, as Baptists do, an invitation to accept Christ. And so that usually comes at the end of a message. But I really felt prompted to the Lord to do the invitation at the beginning. And so I decided I would do that. And I read Matthew, the seventh chapter, and the 21st to the 23rd verse. And the word of God says this. Now, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say in, to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And yet they were doing all those wonderful things. Well, I said, I'm going to give the invitation now. And as the organist plays, I want you to come to Christ if you need to be saved. I said, and as the organist plays, she was a young, young lady, a single lady, and probably, probably a virgin, who knows. But the point of it is, here she, here she came down. She didn't play the organ. She came down and everybody were amazed. She was weeping as she walked toward me. I have never trusted Jesus, she said, but I've always tried to be a good girl, and I love to play the organ, but I want to get saved this morning. You know, we never know when the midnight hour may come, and that young virgin lady knows she is well prepared because she trusted Jesus. So it's what about us? What about you as you listen? Joseph Hart, nearly 300 years ago, wrote, I will arise and go to Jesus. His third verse, very important. Come ye weary, heavy, laden, lest and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. God help us in this time before the midnight hour. God help us.
Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.